Good morning, everybody. Hope everyone is having a lovely week. Today, I'm going to be reading scripture from Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 45. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, where he prayed. Simon and his companions went out to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he says. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing, as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet, the people still came to him from everywhere. These are the words of the Lord, and everyone have a great week. Thank you. Greetings. We um, trust that uh, in this past week you've had time to begin your Lenten journey. Uh, we started a series last week on the Gospel of Mark, which Mark calls the Gospel of God. Interesting statement in Mark 1, 14, the gospel of God. And so Mark writes to us uh, of Christ's ministry, his life, what he's about, who he is, what he did, uh, and what he continues to do for us. So it's a, it's a way for us to reflect on our lives as we begin this journey towards Easter. So following last week where we heard of Jesus beginning to his ministry, repent and believe the good news, believe the gospel, following that there are a variety of stories of Jesus' ministry. And after that, which is where we're picking up, Mark 1, 35 to 45, we have two stories. The first story of Christ seeking out a quiet place to pray and then following that, a ministry story of Christ engaging with a leper who comes and asks to be uh, healed. So a story of Christ's interior life and a story of his exterior life, his ministry um, to others. So these two go together, and that's what we're looking at uh, today. So we, it's interesting, as Christ uh, engages, there, there's, it's, it's a physically demanding uh, reality. And it's interesting, we have a few stories where the gospel writer tells us that Jesus felt energy going out from him. So for example, in Mark 5.30, where Jesus heals the woman who has uh, had an issue of blood for many years, Mark writes this, immediately, remember when she comes up and touches the hem of his garment, immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, 
Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? So there's a statement that Christ knew that power had gone out. He felt something. And there's a variety of stories that, that tell us that. And so that raises the issue that, you know, Jesus' ministry and his activity, his life and service to others, his own interior life, required a lot of energy from him. And it makes sense that in Mark 1, where we start hearing the stories of Jesus, that Christ would get tired. And so we pick that up in Mark 1.35, where Jesus gets up early before dawn, and he goes outside of Capernaum. He finds a quiet place. It reads like this. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place or to a lonely place, and there he prayed. We'll stop there. So after this busy time, Jesus gets up early to find a place where he can be restored uh, interiorly. So what we find out is that there is a practice of prayer for Christ, that he, he develops this. We hear also of it in Mark 6, 46, after saying farewell to his disciples, he went up to the mountain to pray. So Jesus has a practice of prayer. Jesus has a practice that develops his interior life. Um, we today in our extroverted world, we are less effective at this. We're, we're not so good at developing our interior space, our interior lives. We are so exteriorly driven. But Christ practiced and he had a practice of prayer and he, and he met with God each day. So one author, Dr. Belden, writes, in prayer we give the perfect mind of God an opportunity to feed our mental powers. I like the way he put that. We give the perfect mind of God an opportunity to feed our mental powers, to re-energize us, to fill up the well. That's what, that's what Jesus is doing when he is going outside of town by himself and praying to restore uh, his strength, to fill up his well. So Jesus models for us a rhythm of life to work, to rest, and to pray. Those three things go together, to work, to rest and pray. It's not a linear time. It's not all work, right? The whole Old Testament pattern of working six days and a seventh day to rest completely is a time. It's a circular pattern of time to, to work and to rest. There's a rhythm to life. And that is what Jesus is practicing with his disciples. So it's a need to feed our souls, not to become workaholics, but to have a balance of, of work and rest. And, you know, we need to be mindful of this, even, even in terms of our service in the church. You know, we're not called to take it all upon ourselves. I mean, God is ultimately in control. Christ is the Lord of his church. We are to do our part, do our best, but we are not to take it all upon ourselves not to become workaholics for him. And so particularly in times of stress, in times of challenge, in times of decision-making, we, we, we need to spend time in prayer in interior quiet so that good decisions are made. So it's interesting in this situation, 
where Jesus, after this busy time of ministry, and he's deciding, okay, what, what, how is this new ministry going to go? What's my plan? What's my path forward? That Jesus takes time to reflect on his life and to reflect on his vocation. Remember from his baptism, he sensed the call. Then how is he going to approach this ministry in Galilee and Judea? And so Jesus seeks out the time to, to be quiet to listen, to hear God's voice, to be attentive to the Holy Spirit. And so gets up early, goes out, spends time reflecting on what God wants him to do. And it's interesting, as the story goes on, we hear that Peter and the other disciples come and they've been looking for him. And they're thinking that he should be busy back in Capernaum because right now he's kind of a a hot product that uh, he should be engaging and drawing in and continuing to woo the crowds because he's been effective there. And so there's a tension in the story because when they find Jesus praying, they don't really get it. And they, they say, we've been looking for you and, and people are asking for you back in Capernaum. And it's at that point that Jesus says, you know what, we're, we're not going to stay here. We, we are going to go on to the next town. We're going to minister to others because my ultimate calling is to preach the gospel, the kingdom of God. And so there can be tension. There can be tension in our own lives as we try to develop and fill up our interior well. So in our extroverted world, you know, people like to see everybody busy. If somebody says somebody's a workaholic, for many, that's, that's, like, that's uh, something that sounds good, right? That's, wow, the guy works really hard. That person works really hard. They're a workaholic. But in, in mind of scriptures and of what God is saying and Christ is saying, now there needs to be a balance to, to all of this. I'm mindful of the verse in the Sermon of the Mount where Jesus says on prayer, but Whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And in this little statement in the sermon, we see three different disciplines, spiritual disciplines, that Jesus is telling us to do. So he tells us to go into your room. It says that. Go into your room, which is the discipline of solitude. Go into your room. We need times of solitude, times of introversion, to be quiet. And then he says to shut the door. And to shut the door is the discipline of silence. So solitude and silence go together. To be quiet, solitude, to be quiet, and then pray to God. Open your heart to God. Sit in his presence. Solitude, silence, and prayer Three disciplines that Jesus is very mindful of. He encourages his disciples. When you pray, pray in this way. This is what he's saying to us. So to develop these practices. You know, we go to the gym to develop our physical muscles. What about our spiritual muscles? And I say all of that because this is the season of Lent. We are moving into Lent. And Lent is this time to Focus on our journey with Christ, 
to reflect on our lives and to hopefully start filling up our wells. What are our priorities in this journey of Lent? So that we listen to God, hear God, both personally and collectively. Soon we're going to be back together as a church community. A couple of weeks we're going to be worshiping together. We're moving towards Easter. There will be times of celebration. There will be times of extroversion. But at the same time, we are called to live lives that are listening to develop our inscape, to hear God's voice. So this first little story reminds us of Jesus' own practice, his spiritual disciplines. What are they? Right now I'm in the midst of teaching a course at Tyndale. It's an online course. <laughs> So you can be praying for me on that. My skills online are not the best, but anyway, that's what we're into. But it's interesting talking to these students. There are 13 students in the course. They're all busy in their own churches. They're active. So there's a lot of busyness going on. But there's also a need, and they, and they recognize this, there's a need to develop their inner scape as well as their exterior world, their inscape. So how do I hear God's voice in my life here and now? How do, how do we do that? And so Lent is about that. So I encourage you to take time to reflect, listen to this story. Jesus gets up. If Jesus gets up early and goes to pray, then surely if he does that, then there's a need for us to do it. He's greater than we are, obviously. So there, there is a need to do this, and prayer is, is critical. So we read the scriptures, but we're also to converse. We're also to spend time with him. It's a dialogue, right? We reflect, listen to him. I was talking to one person recently, and she was saying, you know, uh, someone told me this, that it's good in the morning to go uh, and spend some time in quiet. And she said to sit, to sip, and to stare. And what she meant was you go to your, your window in the morning, look at your garden if you have one, and you sit, you sip your coffee, and you stare, you observe at what's going on, and allow that to be a time of quiet for you. So for this individual I was talking to, she was talking about these three S's, to sit, to sip, to stare. And I thought, well, you know, that's not bad. That's maybe a useful reminder to us of conversational prayer with God and of Christ through his spirit. So we hear then about this practice of Christ. So that happens, but then it follows with a, a picture of business busyness again. So a leper came to him, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, if you choose, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, or moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose be made clean. So Mark has a play on words here. The individual with the need, the leper says, if you choose, you can heal me. And Jesus' response is, I do choose, and he heals him. So this untouchable 
a leper in the first century was, you know, was, it was a big deal because you were cast out of society. There was such a fear of this disease. You were isolated. You were unclean. So you can imagine Jesus coming up to him and actually embracing him and touching this untouchable. How powerful that moment would have been for that person. And he hears the words, you know, if you choose, you can heal me. And Jesus embraces him, chooses to touch him and heal him. You know, we have the story of, of Elisha and Naaman. Naaman is also a leper, and he comes to the prophet. And we don't hear in that story of the prophet actually going out and touching and embracing Naaman. He is healed by going to the water and dipping for seven times in the river. But the prophet does not touch him. Here Jesus touches him, embraces the untouchable. And it's a picture of compassion. When, it, when the text tells us he is filled with compassion or filled with pity, it's that Greek word, splagnizomai, which talks about our, our, our gut. It's a, it's a gut reaction. It's a feeling reaction. It's a sensation. There's a physical sensation, feeling, that Jesus is drawn to this individual and reaches out and touches him. He do, he's not thinking, oh, is this, is this with the law or against the law? Is this allowed? He just embraces him because he knows that that person needs to be embraced because he's filled with compassion. He is in solidarity with those who are hurting. We think of our brothers and sisters in, in the Ukraine right now. You know, many Christians in the Ukraine who are, who are going through this hell in, in that country with bombs raining down. I mean, and how, you know, Christ in his solidarity, in his identification with us in our human condition, how he is feeling all of that for his children. And so, you know, how is he coming alongside? How is the community of faith working together in the midst of that terrible situation and those atrocities? So let's remember to keep praying for our brothers and sisters in, in the Ukraine, to be in solidarity with them, do what we can. So Jesus active in his ministry. I do desire to be with you. So the compassionate Christ, Christ in solidarity with us, reaching out to meet the needs of this individual. And it's interesting, you know, we hear the story afterwards that he says to the leper, look, I, I don't want you to go and start telling everybody about this, but what I want you to do is go, and go to the priest and, and show him that you have been healed. And, and the reason for that is that Christ continues to be sensitive and compassionate to this individual because he's saying one of your big needs is not just to be physically healed, but is to be accepted back into the community. And so I want you to go and fulfill the law, show the priest that you've been clean, that you are well, and therefore you'll be brought back into the community. And we're not told if the man does that because he... He, on all of his excitement, he just goes out and starts blabbing to everybody. But Jesus is concerned that, hey, your healing might be full, holistic, that you might be brought back into the community, the community of faith. 
So two stories then. There's the story of Christ's interior practice, solitude, silence, prayer, and then his engagement in, in, in work and exterior ministry. And so we hear again, there's this paradigm of work, rest, and prayer. Barclay says somewhere, he says, prayer will never do our work for us, what it will do is to strengthen us for work which must be done. That's a good statement. We still have to do the work, but we're strengthened so we can do the work, so Barclay writes. So in your time of need, right now, in my time of need, particularly if you're in a time of stress, if you're in a time, a time of anxiety or decision-making, these are times where we need to go and lean on God, to trust in Him, coming out of COVID, our families are, you know, are, are divided in all this stuff, and, and people are hurting, families are hurting. We need to go to God and trust and lean on him as we come back together as a community of faith to go in prayer and pray for this time that we will come together in a spirit of unity and love in spite of two hard years of being apart. So how will we come back together? We need to be praying about this reality as we come. Jesus walks before us. He is our compassionate Christ. He is in solidarity with us. And we can go to him and lean on him as we continue on through these weeks of Lent. So one writer says this, For us, as for the earliest disciples, Jesus will always be walking ahead. The journey of faith is always like that, with new truth to learn, new skills to develop, new experiences to go through, and note, new closeness to God. We're always invited to get closer to God. Not to resist that, but to say yes to that. English continues on, it does not always take us through pleasant country. It's not always easy. But the goal of the realization of the kingdom is fixed and we know that ahead of us are the footsteps of Christ and around us is the community of his people. So Christ goes before us, the footsteps of Christ go before us and we are to come together as a community of faith and keep looking to him, drawing close to him, drawing close to one another and not farther apart. So may we hear the power of these stories. May we be open to the Spirit's work in our own lives, your life, my life now, ready to say yes interiorly and exteriorly for the kingdom of God, as Mark writes. And I offer these words to us, to you, this morning. In Christ's name, amen.